Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, an intern at Christ Church Conway in Conway, Arkansas. Well, Gage, here we are in season two, episode, what is this, five? Episode five. Episode five in our series uh, that we started, actually, we're not doing this decently and in order as Presbyterians should season two <laughs> episode one, two, and three were interview shows. And then episode four, we began our new series. Uh, Cause that makes sense to start it on episode four. It's unhelpful, untrue, misleading phrases in the, in the world of Christendom in evangelical Christianity, uh, untangling some of those and what they, what they are trying to say but what they're not saying very well. So, uh, Gage, tell everybody what was the uh, what was the question that we dealt with, or the phrase we dealt with last week. Yeah. So the problematic phrase, uh, I actually dealt with two of them last week. The first was uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. So the it's often tied to Saint Francis of Assisi. Um, we don't know that he actually said that, but a lot of people. Um, attribute him as the the source of that, that phrase. And then we looked at another sister problematic phrase. Uh, and that was, um, you may be the only Bible people ever read. Um, you know, and, and the thing about these phrases, you know, we don't want to, we want to be clear. We don't want to have an entire uh, season where we just uh, dog on everybody that's ever used these phrases in meme form or status or whichever. Some of the phrases we're going to deal with are outright heresy. Um, some of the phrases we're going to deal with um, come from a, a a good intention place, right? They come come from a decent place. Um, it's just they don't think out the the practicalities of what you're saying. Uh, and some, with some of the things we'll talk about, we'll go, hey, you know, I understand what you mean you say this but actually if you think about what you're saying that's super unhelpful um and some of these are just um evangelical phrases that have been adopted over the years that need to die a slow painful death so we'll we'll have some fun yeah i think you know when you're uh when you're a parent and you have a little kid you uh you might point to their stomach and call it their belly or their tummy you may not say that that is your abdominal cavity um you use you use really simple language but eventually you know that kid's in the the kid's in the ninth grade hopefully he's not going to say i've got a belly ache or i got a tummy ache hopefully he's going to start using more precise language um, right. and so there's there's all sorts of ways in which you 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 are in the name of simplicity when someone is new is young you you use some phrases that are not terribly precise so hopefully the unfortunate thing about these is some of these are eh, sort of accurate, but not just 
quite precise enough. Some of them are just downright problematic. But I, I think what we find with with so many of these is, um, you know, there there are proverbs that are not a hundred percent true. They're proverbially true, right? An an apple a day keeps right. the doctor away. Well, I mean, you know, what if I get hit by a bus? It doesn't matter how many apples I had. Right. Those, those, those phrases, right? Like the truth is you could eat an apple every day and then still die of lupus. Right. Um, and you, you don't get to go, this is not fair. I had an apple every single day. What about that phrase? Uh, right. And, and so what I want us to hopefully do is not just throw under the bus, everybody who's ever used some of these phrases, because if we do that, uh, if I'm honest, I'm throwing myself under the bus because I've been guilty yeah, of saying some of these things in an attempt to explain the faith to people. So we're not going to re unpack everything from preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Uh, we'll just, we'll just point people back to episode four to, to hear uh, our talk on that uh, with our friends from the distilling theology podcast. But uh, Gage, what's the, what is the uh, unhelpful uh, problematic phrase that we are going to deal with this uh, week? So we're going to wrestle with uh, the uh, age-old Christianity is a relationship, not a religion phrase. Um, so, you know, with, with that, on the onset, just right out the jump, I understand what they mean when they say, when, when people say this. I understand why they're wanting to say this. Um, but factually that's incorrect <laughs> just right. on a, on a factual true or false basis before we get into the nuance of, uh, the intention or, or whichever, uh, factually it's incorrect, right? I, if I, uh, could give a shout out to my, my mentor and pastor, Kevin Hale, um, you know, he, one thing, the things that he's drilled into me during my time at Christchurch is, uh, to be clear, not clever, right? Like at the end right. of the day, it's our job, especially as preachers, to communicate the gospel and to communicate uh, the whole counsel of God in such a way that it is as clear as possible. And there's a temptation to want to say things that are tweetable, right? That what they're they're going to get you on a meme, that are going to get you quoted, that are going to get your little clip of your live stream shared so you can be famous like Matt Chandler or John Piper, right? But at the end of the day, our job is to be clear, not clever. And I think this phrase kind of falls into that category, right? Um, it's wanting to be clever in the sense of it's trying to overemphasize the relational aspect uh, of Christianity and, and our relationship with Christ um, to the detriment of however it defines religion. But factually, if we just start there, Factually, it's incorrect because Christianity, just like Buddhism, just like Islam, just like um, any any other mainline religion you can think of, it is a religion. Like if right. if you were to go to a major university and you were going to sit in a world religions class, you're going to cover Christianity because it is just that. So, in an attempt to be clever or winsome or pull away from the the perceived uh, problem of religion, um, you end up saying something that's factually untrue um, about Christianity from the jump. And Scott, what are, what are some other thoughts that you have about this? 
Yeah, I also want to put the best construction on it and, and give folks the benefit of the doubt of what they're, I know what you're trying to do when you say this. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to create warmth. You're right. trying to, you're trying to set Christianity uh, and a relationship with Jesus over and against cold orthodoxy, right? We, we, that's and you know, nobody says, or very few people say, I want a, a religion, but everybody wants a relationship, right? right. This is like saying uh, Christianity is a Hershey kiss, not a piece of broccoli, right? <laughs> everybody loves Hershey kisses and almost nobody loves broccoli. And I, as I tell my wife, every time she makes it, nobody likes broccoli. Um, and, and so that's the idea is, is let's think of something. Let's think of something uh, really, really warm, because Christianity and listen, is the Christian faith warm? Is it an, mm-hmm. is it, is it good news? Is it beautiful? Uh, it is just like a relationship is right. And so in all of those things, Christianity is, uh, um, Christianity is warm and it, and it should be more than cold orthodoxy. Uh, who doesn't want a relationship? So uh, the, the, the desire is to, is to set, is to set, it against against cold orthodoxy um but as you pointed out it, of course it's it's problematic because it's it's a religion right we 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 are we're, we're it's a religion in every sense of the word it it we've got we have we have doctrines we have we have uh structure we have tax exempt status we have all sorts of things that that uh that are uh, that make it a religion. And yeah, if you go to, you go to the university, you take a class in world religions, it's going to be in the list. So it, it is a religion. And the truth is uh, James chapter one, verses 26 and 27 uh, says, if anyone thinks, is this. Yeah. yeah. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So wait now, what's he saying there? We're going to go on and read the rest of the quote. He's not saying religion is worthless. He's saying religion that's disconnected from you have uh, the way that you speak shows, demonstrates, evidences that your religion is, is just religiosity, right? Is, is of no value. It's, it's, all, it's all form and no substance. So if anyone thinks he's religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. In other words, he doesn't say that he doesn't have religion. He's got a worthless religion. And then, well, what is religion that's not worthless? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, obviously, we read James in in. Uh, in harmony with the rest of scripture. And, and we, we're not saying that as long as I just care for widows and orphans, I don't have to believe in Jesus. I don't have to trust Christ. I don't have to repent of my sins. But what I want to point out here is here's James calling Christianity a religion without a doubt. So, yeah. So, it, so it, you know, it goes back to last week where, when if you say preach the gospel at all times when necessary use words you now have placed yourself in contradiction to Romans 10 that uh, tells you that you're going to have to go 
and how beautiful are the feet of those that go and preach good news. They literally talk, right? And faith comes from hearing, as in someone talking, you listening, and, and hearing from the word of God. So now you say, well, Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. Well, okay, so now you're at odds with one of the disciples, James, who calls it a religion, right? So now that's that's where your attempt to be clever or your attempt to be winsome uh, now puts you at odds with the scripture. And so it, it immediately becomes problematic. But I think to understand where people are coming from and, and to try to be as gracious as we possibly can here, even though we need to explain why this phrase needs to die a slow, painful death. Um, why do you think people are so um, angsty or um, want to distance themselves so hard from this concept of religion? Is this new? Is this something that's always been? You know, what, what do you think the issue is with religion, Scott? Well, I think I think a lot of folks have a have a a a bad view of of the corporate church of the gathered body because one of my frustrations with this phrase is that it seems to be it seems to have a, a sister phrase right we talked about a a, a sister phrase or a twin phrase uh, last week with um, with the the quote we dealt with last week and that phrase is that that I think is related to this one is all I need is me and Jesus. I don't need the church. I don't need, I don't need the church. I don't need baptism. I don't need the Lord's supper. Um, I, I just, I got me and Jesus. That's all I need. Um, well that what they're saying is I don't need religion. I have this relationship, right? I, I've got a relationship with Jesus and that's it. Full stop. Um, the problem is with that is, well, but Jesus has, you're, you're ignoring all that Jesus has given you, right? You're, you're disdaining right. that which Jesus has, has died to, to make you a part of, and that is the church corporate. And so the, the, the whole idea of corporate gathering and the, the church being a corporate faith, not an individual faith, um, is, is incredibly um, minimized, uh, unpopular, and we do it every week at our, and we talked about this last season in our liturgy series. Um, people will say, why do you do a corporate confession of sin? Right. I, I get a private confession of sin. Why do we, why do you do a corporate confession of sin? And because the Bible is a book written to corporate groups, to the church at Corinth, to the church at Philippi, the Lord's prayer is a corporate prayer. Give us this day, our daily bread. It's us and our. Um, and so, I think people have a bad, to answer your question, people have a, has, many people have been burned by, um, they've been burned by the church. They had a bad experience. They've been burned by hypocrisy. And so they want to put a fresh face on the Christian faith that says, that says, I know you had a bad experience with the church. Good news. Christianity is not the church. I know you had a bad experience with preachers and pulpits. Christianity is not that. And so it's reducing all of the doctrines that the Scripture gives down into just one aspect, and that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ um, and, and, and throwing everything out uh, alongside. 
I think that's yeah, what's going on. So, yeah. you know, this, this idea isn't exclusively Western idea. It's, it's in our, our MO as Americans. And um, I mean, even, even to the point, if you study kind of hi- the history of the enlightenment and the great awakening and, you know, Jonathan Edwards and everything that he fought for and said with the freedom of the will and Liberty and kind of, you know, the great awakening first round of guys that were preaching during that time, that's only 20 years prior to the declaration of independence. Right. So it's it set, all those ideas are set leading into everything that made us a nation, but it's, it's that, that idea um, of individualized, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to own my own story that then gets that, DNA gets pushed right into Americanized Christianity to where from the jump, it's our personal faith, our personal relationship with Jesus, our personal walk with Jesus. Right. And, and so over the years, the language just kind of gets poured out into, uh, well, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Well, let's pray this prayer so you and Jesus can have your own, own thing going right. Mm-hmm. Um, to where, either it's in your evangelicalism or it's in the Doobie brothers. Jesus is just all right with me, or it's in the classical hymns, you know, that my grandmother loved, right. That he walks with me and he talks with me in the garden and none other in the history of the 2000 plus Christianity has ever known this type of relationship. Um, All of those individualized package ideas lead you to a point that if I don't like, what I'm experiencing. If I don't want to submit to the elders, if I don't want to have to be accountable to other people, if I don't want to have to corporately confess my sin and let people know um, my struggles and bear with them. And if I don't want to have to really even now leave my identity of, of party affiliation or whatever it is that you're identifying yourself with, if I don't want to have to leave that at the door to walk into the church and realize that this new identity of Republicans and Democrats and rich and poor and smart and, and uneducated and, and all the other things that you could classify yourself with, they're all in this melting pot pot of, of a new um, identity, a new humanity under Christ. If you don't want to do that, well, it's really easy just to own your own Christianity. And, and then, and you've seen that kind of unfold in a number of different ways. You've got Jesus calling where I don't know, I don't need the scriptures anymore. I've got just Jesus's personal messages to me every single morning. And so you're doing that to the detriment of the text. Um, That's right. And, and then, or in lately, we're even seeing this in our churches, right? Like, because of everything that is going on in the world right now with coronavirus and everything else, you have a, a tendency of people going, well, I can, I can just stay at home. And, and, I, and I don't want to bind conscience here. I know a lot of people are doing that because they, they want to be healthy. They want to be safe. They, they're making conscious decisions. But the, we got to be honest here. There's probably some underlying foundation, even, even a thread of, well, if I could just watch it on, on screen, or if I can just distance myself from the community of faith, this is an opportunity for me to kind of individualize Christianity That's right. as well, right? And, and there's probably some out there that, that have used that as an opportunity to do that. And it, all of that melting pot of individualized uh, Christianity 
finds itself in little quirky sayings like, well, I mean, Christianity is a relationship and not a religion. So I can do away with all this religion stuff and me and Jesus can do our thing at the house on our live stream. Right. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or whatever, or whatever the case may be me and it's me, Jesus, and, and this cup of coffee with my Jesus calling, or it's me and Jesus with my music in the car. And I don't have to be accountable to anything or do any of the one another's uh, at all. And so that's why this phrase I think is super problematic. Hey, yeah. It, it's, it's really hard to grow in sanctification. If you are never around people who annoy the snot out of you, um, it is, it is Amen. really, it is really easy to love your neighbor. If you avoid your neighbor, if your right. neighbor never grates on your nerves. Um, and so the idea, I went to that church. There are just so many people that are just so annoying and so needy. And I'm just, I don't have time for that. And so you can cocoon yourself away from the corporate gathering and say, you know what? This is fine because, hey, it's just a relationship. It's a relationship. And so whatever, however I personally feel about what Jesus wants of me is mm-hmm. totally fine. Um, it, that's, I think that's a, a big part of it. it, it the, the, the unfortunate thing about this is it actually drives people back into themselves mm-hmm. is, is uh, sometimes well-meaning people who are trying to evangelize door-to-door say to somebody, uh, are you a Christian? And they say, yeah, I was, I was uh, baptized as a child and confirmed in the church and I profess faith in the, in Christ. And then they, and then they press them a little further and say, but do you, that's religion. You just told me a bunch of religious stuff, but do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And so I want to, let me plant a little seed of doubt in there and make mm-hmm. you question whether I, you told me a bunch of surface level things, but what I want to really know is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And so you've got people kind of going, Oh goodness, I don't know. I thought I did, but maybe I don't. And, mm-hmm. and so you drive people back to navel gazing. You drive people out of the objective faith in Christ, the finished work of Christ profession of faith, uh, 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 received at the Lord's table, eaten his body and blood uh, objectively, and you've sent me into this subjective thing where I, I scratch my head and go, maybe, I've, maybe I don't. Maybe, maybe I don't have a relationship. I mean, I know I have a relationship with my wife and my next-door neighbor, and I have a relationship with my kids, but do I have a relationship with Jesus? And so you drive people to despair and to constantly questioning if they're saved. Uh, and that's the that's the danger of this sort of uh, of of phrase. It's it's well-meaning, but it, it is it's an inaccurate way to describe the Christian faith um, by using language that is foreign to the Bible. And I, and I think too, um, it's important for us to spend just a few minutes um, discussing how religion is is defined. In, the, in this particular phrase, um, you know, a lot of people use the phrase dead orthodoxy. I think a lot of people confuse um, maybe legalism or pietism. We've, we define that in, in yeah. episode one of this season uh, with Christianity. 
right? And so in their mind, because maybe they came from an independent fundamentalist background or they came, but came from a super legalistic church or um, they were the victims of pietism and not, not the gospel. Um, and so because that was their experience, they automatically associate Christianity with this, right? I've got a friend whose dad was a pastor um, and some of the stories he's told me of his experience growing up um, in that church and a, as a, a pastor's kid, and he's got some real scars and he's got some actual trauma that he experienced. And it, it, I, it comes out oftentimes when we talk about the gospel or we're sitting around and maybe we aren't um, as strict or staunch uh, about something as he was growing up. And you can tell he kind of looks like, wait, I can, that's okay. Like I can, yeah. I can do this. Right. Um, and so I think, a lot, a lot of times people have those experiences, especially in the South, right? Especially when evangelicalism is so prevalent that if you came from that sort of pietistic, legalistic, fundamentalist background in the last hundred years, um, and that was your, your experience in church, you're going to say, no, that was crazy. I got out of that. I graduated high school. I became an adult or I quit going to that church and I started going to another one. And so religion must, that must be religion. And I don't right. want that product. I want Christianity. And so you throw the baby out with the bathwater of any, any time, um, anyone, especially in the reform faith, cause we are Presbyterians and we are reformed. You know, I, I, I can remember, early on having this feeling right coming from a from where we came from and kind of the format and structure that we had there was a fear of like man can we do liturgy is that not going to feel cold and robotic mm -hmm. and and dead or we're going to do the same thing every single week we're going to we're going to do communion every single week is that not going to get old are we not going to going to you know um kind of become rote and and lose its its luster and and some of that even in that came from a fear of maybe some legalistic pietistic um experiences i had had through various churches and and christians that i knew um that you have those that have that experience and so when you're pushing for hey we're going to do liturgy this way we're we're going to tie you to the covenant community we're going to um expect and hope and call you to uh, accountability to your, to your elders and to one another. Um, and you're going to make vows in front of, front of everybody to join the church. And you're going to willingly say, you're going to um, push for the purity and peace of the church. Mm -hmm. And we're going to expect you at some level to be involved in the church every single week. Um, that there's, um, th there's this fear uh, of what all that could mean because of whatever your experiences are. And so you say, no, 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 I want Christianity, not the religion. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think um, I'd be happy with a phrase that says Christianity is, is, um, is not moralism, right? We want to, we want to press that very hard. Christianity is not a system in which I'm saved by what I do. So while we're, while we're defending the idea that Christianity is a religion, I think what we do need to do is we do need to talk about the uniqueness of Christianity over and against every other world religion, because the unfortunate thing you'll hear from uh, in the unbelieving world is you'll hear all religions lead to God. All religions are the same. All religions are about training you to be a better person. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
if all religions are about how to be a, be a good person and then you go to heaven, um, if that's what Christianity is, if Christianity is be a good person and then you'll go to heaven, then yeah, Christianity is is uh, just the same as all the others because that's what the others say. Um, but what Christianity, every other religion is, I do these things. This is a, a, a really helpful Tim Keller thing. I develop a really good report card. I make more A's than D's, a, more A's and B's than C's and D's and F's. And when I die, I stand before the pearly gates and God looks at my report card, sees how good I did, and now he owes me heaven. I've got him on the hook. I held up my end of the bargain. Now he's got to hold up his eternal end of the bargain. I've, I've, I've roped him in and he's, he's, he's got a, he's, he can't renege on it now because he's, he's, uh, uh, he, he's committed to me. Um, that's, that's religion. That's, that's a, that's the way other world religions work, works, righteousness, do this and do this, obey at this level and you'll go to heaven. Christianity is a religion that says Jesus on your behalf is the only one who made a straight A report card and he gifts it to you. He gives it to you by faith alone, not based on anything that you do. And so in that sense, Christianity is different from all the world religions, but it's a religion. <laughs> it's, it's a religion. It's a religion that unlike any other. And I think, I think that's what people need to hear and it takes longer. You can't say it in a bumper sticker, right? I can't, what I just explained, what you just explained can't fit on a bumper sticker, but, but that doesn't, you know, we need a theology that doesn't fit on a bumper sticker because I can't be saved by bumper sticker theology. Right. Absolutely. That sounds like an episode we need to do bumper sticker theology. Um, but yeah, so that's the deal. At the end of the day, it's all about what Jesus did. Jesus paid it all it's finished. It's done. He lived the life that you couldn't live and he died the death that you deserved and then raised from the dead as the perfect sufficient sacrifice. That's, yeah. that's the gospel. That's the story. That's the thing that we place our hope, security and identity in. Um, that's a, re- that's a religion. Everything else that we do around that, around that reality is our religion and that's okay. Right. right? That's the other, that's the other thing that um, we need to maybe give to our brothers and sisters who are like, well, I want a relationship. Yeah, there's absolutely a relationship. The Christ rescued you. The father uh, sent the son to <laughs> rescue you from yourself, from sin and from Satan, right? That's what Ephesians two tells us. And then gave you the Holy spirit so that you can recall to mind the things that Jesus taught. That's John 14. Like the spirit is going to come uh, 14 and 15 and 16. The spirit's going to come and, and help you um, figure this thing out. But then the part of the way he's going to help you figure this out is by giving you brothers and sisters in this new family um, to come alongside you and do that and give you shepherds and teachers um, to give you the word. And, and all of those things are okay. Right. You don't have to rage against the machine just because you had a really bad experience. I'm sorry you had a really bad experience. I, I hate that 
um, damage was done to the gospel in the name of Jesus. That's that absolutely ha- happens week in and week out, which is why we want to provide things like solid churches and, and good podcasts so we can give you as many good resources as possible to, to drown out the noise. Um, but let, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's not um, throw away everything that makes Christianity what it is um, because of the, that bad experience. Amen. Yeah, because in, in, the truth is, not only is is it a relationship, it's a series of relationships. It's a relationship to your brothers and sisters in Christ that you did not have. It's a relationship to a local church. It's a relationship to the church uh, universal. Uh, you are related now to every Christian who has ever lived and ever will live, past, present, and future. It's a relationship to shepherds, uh, elders, and deacons. And so it is It is all of those things. And so what we want to press is we want to press union with Christ. You have a relationship. Because the truth is, those outside of Christ have a relationship with God, but it is one of wrath. It is one where God's wrath rests on you. But the good news of the gospel is because of Christ, we have a mediator in Christ who has who has propitiated God's wrath. And uh, I think that's the time to wrap it up for this episode, Gage. Tell folks how they can uh, connect with us online. Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, if you have a phrase that you have heard that you want us to deal with, we'd love to hear from you. Um, hit us up on the website, or you can email us directly at contact at assuranceofpardon.com. That's our email. Um, want to remind you, um, while this podcast comes out, that we've got a giveaway going on right now in partnership with our, our friends at Distilling Theology and uh, sponsored by Crossway. They donated the book. Um, we're giving away Bob Vink on the Christian life and a really sweet coffee mug. So if you want a, uh, a good cup of coffee and a good book to sit down with, uh, be sure and uh, visit our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and um, enter, just click to enter and you have a bunch of different ways that you can get entries. And we're going to pick a winner on uh, next Monday, next Monday being the 20th. Uh, I believe at um, 5.30 p.m. So I, I may even do a Facebook live if I've got time, depending on if my five-month-old is losing her mind at that time or not. But um, please, 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 please uh, su- subscribe and uh, leave us a review. The more subscriptions we have and the more reviews we have on your podcast platforms, the higher up this kind of gets pushed. Um, and good, if you believe that this is good content and that this is ministering to you, uh, please uh, share it with a friend and leave a review and help us get the word out. Uh, if you haven't yet, I'd invite you also to visit our YouTube channel. Um, we're going to get ready to release uh, the video behind our, our time with Distilling Theology um, in the next week or so. And then we'll um, lo- upload this video. If you want to see uh, kind of some behind the scenes of what it looks like to record this podcast and all our, our blemishes and mess ups and bloopers, uh, we kind of leave that pretty raw when we upload it there uh, for the most part. And so you'll get to kind of get some insight there. Uh, and in all, as always, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.